how are we inviting the employee's voice into understanding what that digital employee experience is and how is it or is it not being able to further business objectives, being able to serve customers better, or is it actually getting in the way? That digital employee experience, if we understand how they're feeling about the technology they're working with, that can also help them feel like they're a part of the decisions that are being made around what new technology are we inviting in and the reason why. Hi, I'm Boaz, founder and CEO of Simply Augmented, and I'm excited that you're tuning in to Shift, a show that explores what it takes to thrive and adapt to the changing workplace in the digital age of remote work and AI. In today's episode, I am thrilled to have Mindy Honku as our guest. Mindy is the Chief People Officer and an expert in the space of HR and employee experience. During our conversations with Mindy, we explore her background and experience that landed her at Expedia and the work she has been doing to advise leaders to focus on their purpose and values to drive organizational change. If you're someone interested in how HR and AI are going to factor into the way you engage in the workplace, you won't want to miss this episode. It's great to have Mindy on our podcast, and we can't wait to learn more from her. Let's get to it. Mindy, thank you for joining Shift. It's really, really nice to have you. Oh, thank you so much for having me here, Boaz. I look forward to the conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I usually like to start reading back to you your background. So I want to make sure I get it right, but I'm going to start by doing that. And then if I get it wrong, you can tell me. But uh, why I'm so excited about talking to you today in general is just, I'm kind of obsessed with people and automation and the way that those two things come together. And I know you've spent your careers thinking about how to optimize people in the workspace. And so you started your career at Microsoft uh, in the recruiting team ops you moved on to Expedia, where you were uh, HR project manager, and I'm sure lots of other interesting roles at Expedia, which was uh, interesting. And then you moved into uh, an interim role as HR chief of staff at HomeAway. And uh, I was, actually, before that, you were at BlackBot as the human resource business partner, and then from there, HR chief of staff, and then started to um, move up in your career as director of people and talent at SpiceWorks. And then eventually uh, the executive director of people and talent at Spikes Works. And uh, then at TCP Software as chief people officer. And now, among a lot of other projects that you're working on, you are the founder and HR advisor of Agile in HR. I might have missed a few things along the way, but did I get it close? You did, Boaz. That was a really good summary. Awesome. Uh, did I miss anything that you want to explain or say about your background or fill in any of the blanks or is it, do we get it pretty close? You, you got it pretty close. I think the only thing that it kind of is a, a really important for people when they hear about my background and how I approach workplaces and looking at that ecosystem is I came out of a social work background. So unlike other HR leaders that may be coming from an HR business program or, you know, coming from a different background, that social work lens, I feel often provides me with a unique lens in which to see the workforce. 
that often it, it creates a different perspective when I'm talking with my other HR colleagues and it informs a really neat conversation. Yeah, that is interesting. So how does that show up for you? I mean, over the years, as you've seen the different ways that you've approached, you know, what most people call the kind of people org now inside companies, how has that shown up and how are you yeah. different in, in your approach? And I didn't realize it, but as social workers, we're really kind of project managers of people within an ecosystem. And we always start with whoever we're serving, whoever that population is that we're working with, and then understanding how are how are they thriving or not within that ecosystem that they are, within their communities, whatever that is. And usually there's, there's a deficit. Usually there's something in which there's a, a current state and a future desired state. And how are we as that social worker coming along? side of them to really equip them with the right tools and resources to be able to take those baby steps all you know and if we're talking about project management those milestones to be able to inform how to get to that future desired state and and how are you building in the natural retrospectives and how are we seeing was this the right step or was it not and what behaviors are showing up here and, and what maybe isn't healthy or, or what may be actually work better and working with that individual through that awareness and understanding to be able to to help them um, become more effective and efficient as a human in their ecosystem. And so that really applies yeah. to workplaces. Yeah, that's so true. It's fascinating. You know, I we'll get we'll go deep into this today as we talk more about people and in, in the workplace. This last year has been so much about AI and so much about automation. Mm. And I think that um, there's a lot that's missing from the conversation when it comes to the ways that people show up for work with these tools. And so I, I think it'll be good for us to go over that. But before we do, I want to go one step back and ask you about your first job. What was your first job where you got paid? <laughs> Babysitting. I. <laughs> And I worked at my dance studio. I, I worked in this little shop that was with the dance studio to help pay for my dance lessons. So, so working with customers to try and find the best classes based on their interests, but also the best shoes, depending on the type right. of dance that they were involved in. So it was a lot of customer-facing conversations and work to help really understand what are their needs in order to help find the, the kind of best packaging or the best tools to equip them to be able to do what they're seeking to do. Ballet, tap, what kind of dance are we uh, talking about? At the studio, we had a lot of different uh, dance methods. So yes, we had ballet, there was tap, there was modern. So yes, there was a lot of different art forms or, you know, dance forms yeah. that people could choose from. That sounds like a fun first job. What was your favorite job? Oh, such a hard <laughs> That's such a hard question because I, I enjoyed aspects of all my jobs. I think my favorite job was the chief of staff at Home Away because oh, wow. it was working with a head of people that really wanted to do things differently. It was the first time that he was open to rethinking all the things. So we were leading an agile transformation within the people team, completely rethinking how can we work to align with the business objectives of the organization. It wasn't just 
it wasn't just refining one piece. It was truly looking at how do we as an entire people org rethink what we're doing and how do we do it in an agile way and how are we using user-led design to do that? And and even being able to try out different things and iterate and, and be able to really think about it with a scientific mindset. So that was really exciting. Like often you would, I would try to kind of think about these concepts, but you would often get pushback because there's a lot of change. But this was very different. This was where Mindy, come to us with more ideas. What can we do? Facilitate yeah. this uh, conversation. And if you do your job really well, this will be a nine-month gig. Yeah, that's really cool. I, it's funny. The chief of staff job is an interesting role. I was just interviewing a guy from Meta, Dan Neves, who had a job at Frame.io, which was a software for editing video. And he was the chief of staff. Short time frame, but it was also one of his favorite jobs mm-hmm. because he just learned so much. And I think that it's such a great mentorship job because you get to have a lot of control and power, but you get to be in a position where you get to see a lot. It's a cool job. Yeah. It felt like I was able to shadow ahead of people for the first time. And really, before that, I hadn't seen myself in that role. But after working with him, he was an incredible mentor and it still is to me today. That's when I realized this is something that I maybe I could see myself in. And, yeah. and I shouldn't not take the next steps to move into that. I just hadn't ever seen that for me. And that job made it seem possible. Did that help when you were this next job, the TCP software job? What was that company like? Yeah. Yeah. So through Spiceworks to TCP, yes, it definitely did. It helped kind of inform my steps to TCP and some of the things that I was doing at Spiceworks and and moving through to the head of people at Spiceworks and being able to understand what are those missing gaps and be able to find the, the right mentors to invite to join me in my journey, to be able to learn in the areas that I hadn't yet experienced that I would need to be able to be successful in a role at TCP Software as a chief people officer. Very cool. I like to ask a question about family of origin because the future of work is such a big topic on this podcast and mm-hmm. work is changing as we know, you know, pandemic to now, but even as we think about the next 10 years, what my kids are going to be doing in the workplace, what the tools are going to be like for them. What did your parents do for work? And was work a topic? Did you guys talk about it at the dinner table? That's it. That's another interesting question. So I grew up in a single parent home. I, and my, and because I come from a, a Dutch immigrant family, so when my when my um, parents were divorced, we moved within walking distance of my grandparents. So dinner was with my mom and my grandparents. My mom was a bookkeeper, so she was often at work, and my my grandpa was in the post office. He was a supervisor at the post office, so. I often heard stories from my grandfather about being a supervisor with these kind of deskless workers working in um, the postal system. And he would and come and, and talk about the experience and how do you keep someone motivated when they're just you know, basically taking in mail and just having to throw it into different yeah. bins because that can become a very um, boring job and mundane. And he often would talk about as a supervisor, he's responsible for the team and how he cared about the people and how he cared about being able to keep fun at work while doing this mundane task. And so the different things that he would try to do to do that. So that was, uh, that was interesting hearing him talk about that, um, as a kid growing up. 
Yeah, I love that. Well, I can tell from our last conversation when we spoke last how passionate you are about people and people in the workforce. So tell me about what lights you up now. What are you doing now that you're excited about? And uh, yeah, about the work that you do and, and your role. I love being now like coming out of being in-house and being able to work with a lot of different workplaces. Being a chief people officer in-house, I'd always worked with tech companies. And so I thought that I, that I love tech companies, but I would, I wanted to see what is it like in other industries. And so I've had the opportunity to do that now. Now, one of the, my favorite um, clients is a manufacturing company. So it has in-office kind of corporate workers that may be in a more hybrid remote situation, but you also have people that are in the plant that don't have access to a desktop that are, are coming into a plant every day. And it, it takes me back to my grandfather and it takes me back to those conversations. And so my grandfather never had anyone in his workplace helping him figure these things out. He was often on his own trying to think about how to create a better workplace environment. So my grandfather passed away a couple of years ago, but for the first time I feel like I'm able to help like the future grandfathers. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, let's talk more about that. I mean, I'm, I've been thinking a lot about the way that this new technology, especially AI, plays into the office, mostly for the way that workers are going to be using it to create superpowers for themselves. Hmm. And I know that there's a lot of talk about workers losing their jobs, and but I still think that for business owners and business leaders out there, people make up a huge part of the P&L, and they also make up a huge part of the culture of these companies. And as we start introducing all this tech into the daily lives of people, I want to know how you think about how that affects people in the workplace, but how they, how could it can be a positive as well? Yeah, I, I, I try to think about how is it augmenting and, and how are we thinking about it from a digital employee experience? And the employee experience now is every touch point of that journey of an employee from the moment they touch a job description to when they depart a company has a digital component. Yeah. And and how are we reflecting that if we are aware of our employee experience? How are we talking with our CIOs around, you know, what is it like to for the employee? Like, how is that technology they're working with? And how is it either hindering them or equipping them to do their job even better. And how are we, you know, our employees are the experts. They're doing their job every day. And so, you know, as we think about improving processes, how are we inviting the employee's voice into understanding what that digital employee experience is and how is it or is it not being able to further business objectives, being able to serve customers better, or is it actually getting in the way? And so yeah. that digital employee experience, I mean, for me, it's very exciting because to have a good employee experience, you need to have the voice in the employee. And if we understand how they're feeling about the technology they're working with, that can also help uh, help them feel like they're a part of the decisions that are being made around what new technology are we inviting in and the reason why. And then I often find if you are doing that in an iterative way, then you're being able to allow them to continue to feedback. So it doesn't feel like they're forced to be adopting these new ways because they've been a part of that change initiative from the beginning. I like that term employee voice. You know, that, it, it's pretty cool because 
all the work that I've been doing around AI and thinking about, especially this year, generative AI, it's all about having a conversation with your computer. Yeah. It's not like we haven't had automation for a long time, but now yeah. all of a sudden we're talking to our computer in a kind of a different way. Mm-hmm. And then we're checking the computer at the end to make sure that it's telling us things that are true. That's right. And all of that is people doing that. And so I really like this idea that people have a voice and that voice can be quantified in some way so that the answers that you are getting back also have a voice that is consistent with the company, that's consistent with the brand. I really like that term. Yeah. And and I may not be like saying this way because I'm definitely a learner still within the AI space, Boaz, but if we have that conversation with the technology and it's capturing that and it's helping become part of that internal knowledge base for the organization, and then the employees outside of the technology are having a voice in how is it or isn't working, uh, for, for me, that's really exciting because uh, I mean, how powerful it can, it can that be? I, I just feel like the outcomes yeah. are so much greater, and and the governance and the ability for knowledge becomes democratized, where it really provides greater equity for the humans within our organization to be able to actually feed into the innovation. It, takes it from being maybe just a few people that have the current knowledge because so, with the AI and just if we're able to train them with the digital awareness, I, I feel like that gives access to more entry-level positions for people to be able to feel like they have greater purpose and an impact yeah. within their organization. Yeah. It also allows us to be a little bit more creative in our daily lives. Yeah. Some of the mundane work is kind of taken over by the computer and then we can 100%. step in and just be creative, whether we're a lawyer or whether we're a, somebody that codes, you know, everybody has the chance to do that. But you're yes. right too, like more junior people can ask questions where maybe they you know, had to ask a data scientist before. Now they can ask the questions themselves. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And just even finding, you know, within companies, just trying to find knowledge has been difficult because we have such separated systems. And sometimes those systems would only have licenses for a budgeting reason for only certain people. And that just creates more and more barriers to access and slows a company down. I've also heard you talk a lot about, uh, I've seen you present about onboarding. Yes. And I know that you, you think about upskilling too within workforces. Can we talk a little bit about that? Because so much of this new technology is new for everybody mm-hmm. and they need to be educated. But I, so I want to dig into that a little bit. How do you think about that and growth among employees, you know, lifelong learners and upskilling? Yeah. I think with the onboarding experience is often still a very under, I feel like companies still have the opportunity to improve the onboarding experience. I feel it's always on the to-do list, but no one ever truly gets to it unless you're at a larger enterprise organization because there's just so many other things going on. Because if you think about it in onboarding, another piece that I see is missing is what are those data points? Where are those points where we're learning about you as a human? And often that's in the interview process. And how are we taking the data from the interview process to inform a more tailored onboarding experience so we'll know in what areas do you need upskilling? Sometimes if we have onboarding, it may be more generic 
And we may be putting people through this time that they don't need to, but it's just a set program that we have. If we were able to inform that experience based on the data we learned about you in the interviews, then we could actually tailor to create that 30, 60, 90 that truly was upskilling and maybe even shorten the time. Uh, And and maybe there's some gaps that – we are are missing and and it, because we are able to see it in the interview process and confirm it with you during the onboarding like hey we saw this is this right they would have the opportunity to feedback to have their voice and saying well actually we didn't get a chance to talk about this but here's some other things that I would love if we had the opportunity to cover this and then be able to tailor that learning experience to help um, get them not only set up to be successful in their role but also upskill them for future um, opportunities because often in the world of work, it's moving so quick that once we hire that person, their job probably even changes within yeah. within six months. And, and there, many times at six months, you're still learning some aspects of the company. Yeah, absolutely. So, so how do we get tighter on that continuous learning journey and, and being able to give people the right information at the right time when they need it to be more effective and efficient? It's like it's like automating that onboarding process, but we can't do that until we have consistency within the onboarding experience. Yeah, that makes total sense. I, I talk to a lot of business owners who struggle with getting people to the place they need to be fast enough whether they're in sales or ops or marketing, wherever they are in the company. And yeah. So I really like the idea of being able to understand, you know, use the recruiting moments to understand where they need to be and then get them to success as quickly as you can. Yeah. And there's some exciting things in AI within that space that I have seen where, you know, tools are trying to answer that question. And in my past, I've tried manually automating that and being able to, you know, take the information and then be able to provide a summary to the manager and and the employee to provide the right conversation points and, and be able to make sure we're thinking about this from a 30, 60, 90 and kind of skills-based um mindset, but the AI is exciting and being able to take that kind of very manual, heavy process that doesn't scale to grow where AI can really help actually solve for that. Yeah. I think there's an opportunity out there. If you're listening, if anyone's listening about ways of (laughs) recording calls, summarizing and turning those into insights for HR professionals, I mean, that's an interesting business right there. Mm -hmm. Let's shift gears and talk about the pandemic and how that's affected folks. I know that when I was working at Meta, when I first got hired, we were all at home and it was a super challenging time when it came to collaboration. I'm sure you think about this all the time as you think mm-hmm. about employee well-being and, and the workplace. So yeah, how are things changing? I mean, it's a lot different now than it was three years ago, but how are things changing and what does hybrid look like? You know, as you start to see the news and all these companies asking people mm. to come back to work, how's yeah. that shaping up? <laughs> It's it's a complex it's a complex question. I I think there. First of all, it's coming from the context of we're we're humans and we mess things up and we're especially messy at relationships. Yes. And remote relationships makes is even messier. And in work, going from one meeting to another meeting, you can be very well meaning, but at any moment you could be missing 
you, you could be creating a lesser than experience. And if you're creating a lesser than experience that doesn't meet the expectations of the person in that meeting, there's a gap that there's a gap, um, that, that then starts to break down trust. And, and the longer it takes for us to acknowledge and, and be aware and clean up that mess, that trust just starts to erode even faster. And that's what I think one of the challenges, in addition to so many others in hybrid, it, it makes it hard. It's, it's about how are we communicating as humans? How are we behaving? How are we building that trust? How are we engaging with each other in meaningful ways? And that human aspect, I think, is tougher when we're not in person on a regular basis. What kind of things are you, when you advise business leaders, are there things that you're talking to them about right now in regards to remote work and, and back to office? What kind of things are you saying? I mean, maybe give a little kind of free advice to the audience about how to <laughs> think about some of these things. You know, a lot of people that listen to the show are business owners. Yeah. How should they be thinking about it? Well, first, I always like kind of want to understand like what behaviors are they starting to see in their organization that's causing a, a breakdown, that's causing starting to cre- get in the way of people being able to uh, create greater outcomes or, or keeping them from reaching their KPIs, and and, and what are the, some of the driving elements behind behind those gaps? And, and sometimes it may be. It may be because we're not in person together. It may be because the type of work that we're doing is more conducive in an office with a whiteboard. Or it could be we actually don't have the right collaboration tools and we actually can work remotely really well. We just don't have the right tools and resources in which to do that. For me, it's about first taking a step back and don't assume that the answer is we need to be in person because that's what worked before. But it's really understanding what are those problems that we're starting to see come up and, and what are yeah. some of the reasons behind those problems? And in order to truly understand and define the problem, to find a right size solution. But, but sometimes like it yeah. takes time to do that. Yeah. And you have to, I, I love the problem first mentality because then you could work your way back and it's not a knee jerk reaction. Yeah. It could be technology. It might be, you know, going back to the office a couple of times a week, but understanding the problem first makes sense. Mm-hmm. I've heard a lot of young people that I've talked to get frustrated about their onboarding experiences or their first months on the job where they're not in person and there's a lack of, mm. of mentorship and, you know, and other things. Are you hearing that too among younger junior workers coming into different organizations? And you're seeing that often in the research that's coming out from like the Gartners and the Deloitte's of the world that the younger generation is seeking empathy. They're seeking to be valued, to be seen and heard. To, they are also seeking well-being. <laughs> and really, when they say well-being, that often if you ask them, what do you mean when you say well-being? It's easy to assume benefits or it's easy to assume fill in the blank with total rewards. Yeah. Often what uh, these surveys and my conversations that fill in the blank answer for them is flexibility. Hmm. Yeah. It's around the ability to make decisions, to be trusted to make informed decisions for themselves. So often you'll hear the word agency. Yeah. 
Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. When you think back on your career and you think back on moments where you were mentored, who comes to mind? Kristen Graham is uh, one of my early incredible mentors. She is a communication nerd. She understands the power of words. And, and, you know, often even, you know, we can get so busy and caught up in the day that we aren't thinking about the words that we're using. And, you know, even being thoughtful about even planning our conversations with people, like thinking about what are the outcomes we want from this conversation? Uh, What is that collaborative approach that I want? Or is this an information sharing meeting? Like what is the purpose of this meeting? The, The meaningful conversations and communication I feel have been at a deficit since we've gone um, remote. And it was also a, a difficulty that we had when we were in person, right? Meeting fatigue yeah. isn't new. Uh, and so Kristen, uh, she's at Expedia and she really helped me from a very early, young, you know, early stage of my career, helped me realize kind of the importance of, of words and, and conversations and, and what is that outcome that we're driving towards and how do, can we work better together if we're being more thoughtful and intentional uh, about how we're communicating with each other. I like that a lot. I, I do think there is meeting fatigue out there. And I think that, you know, productivity can show up in lots of different ways. And sometimes it means focus and getting rid of the things on your calendar and not just kind of adding more things to your plate. So I, I mm-hmm. do think that being careful about your time and about what you say is, is great advice and great mentorship. Mm-hmm. As you think about um, the way that the shift in the workplace is happening and how things are evolving. What are the emerging technologies that you're excited about as you look into the future? Well, I'm excited about AI within workplaces, if done thoughtfully, because it has the opportunity to take all the knowledge and all the data that we have within our organizations and, and allow people to more easily access it, to be able to, to innovate faster, to have greater impact faster. It's, it's almost like everyone gets to have their personal research assistant, which was really exciting. Can you imagine if we all yeah. had our own research assistant? And yeah, that research assistant was also able to make us self-aware, like help us just stop for a moment and ask, are you sure? <laughs> Maybe this is a better uh, idea or a better prompt, or have you thought about this? I think that's really exciting. I And I think that technology is as we live in a world that's so disjointed and, and disconnected right now in, in our, our solutions and our tech stack, and, and being able to create greater alignment through technology is really exciting, and I, and I feel like AI could do that. And I'm not just saying that because yeah. we're on this uh, podcast. I, you know, I think other solutions that help people create better data informed 
decision making is important, especially if you didn't have a data background. Data can, you know, if you're not using the right data, it can be very dangerous. Or if you're not yeah. understanding the story that the data is showing, or if you're not asking additional questions about the data, it, it can actually become very harmful. And and I and, and so some of the technology out there around helping people find story and data and and how to help and inform the right decisions around data is also exciting. I think that metaphor of research assistant, AI research assistant is a good one. Uh, when you think about partners in a law firm and their associates or you know other more senior folks and their junior folks, there's a relationship between the individual and the assistant that I think is powerful. And for us to be able to have a little bit of those superpowers with some AI, but still have a lot of agency in the way that we go about our work. I mean, if everybody had that, not just the senior partners, I mean, that would be incredible. Exactly. Uh, so I like to uh, end the show with a question. I want you to describe the future of work in two words, and then you can elaborate, but try to describe the future of work in just two words. I feel like the future of work, we must be curious and agile. Mm, I like that. Okay. Tell me, tell me more about those two words. <laughs> I like the word curiosity because it creates pause. It helps us. We can come from a very emotional response often when there's the unknown and the future of work's uncertain and will always be uncertain. And often, if we are coming from a place of a fear response, then we hesitate and curiosity helps us. And sometimes when we have an emotion that for us, we'll interpret that as a, a fact. And often it's not a fact. That's just a feeling. And so being curious helps us explore a little bit more about why are these emotions coming up? It helps us realize the difference between emotions and data. It, curiosity helps us to engage in a conversation. It helps me, yeah. help me understand why you said that. That didn't land on me well. It helps drive collaboration. It keeps us from jumping to assumptions. I think curiosity is truly a powerful mindset. Yeah, I agree. And agility is more around that change management that we're going to need in order because as things are always going to be changing and, uh, the, you know, people talk about change fatigue and resiliency and but the, the truth is, is that we need to be able to, we, we have to find ways in which we can change a mindset towards possibility and how can we become resilient and how can we be excited about change? Because that's all the future has for us is change. <laughs> Nothing is going to be static. And for me, that's exciting because uh, I've learned how to be curious and agile. I think that's amazing. That. It's so exciting to think about the ways that people can stay in the loop. And as all this technology is changing around them, it's getting more powerful. There's all sorts of new ways. It seems like every single day there's companies that are being launched, and I'm having trouble keeping track of, of all of it. But I, I think that uh, as long as we remember that we are part of the equation, that I, I think it's going to be a really interesting time for all of us uh, to yeah. explore. So I really appreciate you coming onto the podcast. I learned a lot today and it was really fun to have you on. Oh, thank you so much, Boaz. I really appreciate it. It was, it was a fun conversation. 
that's a wrap. Thanks for tuning in. Such a pleasure to have Mindy as our guest on today's episode. Mindy's knowledge about the emerging field of HR feeds her insights into how employee experience factors into the future of work. If you want to learn more about Mindy, you can find her on LinkedIn and Twitter. If you are interested in how she thinks about employee experience, definitely connect with her and keep up with her posts and activity online. I continue to be amazed by the guests we've had on the show, and I'm excited about the ones joining us in the near future. I truly appreciate you spending time with us. Thank you for listening to this episode, and don't forget to subscribe to the podcast for more exciting interviews and the Simply Augmented newsletter for weekly updates on how AI can help you scale your business. The Shift Podcast is produced and sponsored by Simply Augmented, and our theme music was created by Dave Angel.